Stability in the outfield is something that this team has lacked for most of the season due to injuries. And now that everyone is healthy, it appears that Dylan Carlson is the odd man out. This is Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Haffern, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou, and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio and the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as YouTube. I encourage you to like, subscribe, comment. That way you're a part of the show. Hit the notification button so you know when the new episodes are posted, this is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Today's episode being brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So the Cardinals picked up another win last night. They're playing some good ball right now. They beat the Marlins 6-4, to which gives them six wins in their last eight games. We're going to talk more about last night's game a little bit later on in the show. But I wanted to start today by talking about the news that we got on Monday, more of the news that we got on Monday, because there was a lot of things that went on, specifically what's happening in the outfield. Now, when this season began, here was the plan, right? At least in my eyes, that Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, and Lars Newbar were going to be your main starting outfielders. They had the center field battle in spring training that O'Neill apparently won. Um, I I wasn't a huge fan of them all competing for it. I kind of like Tyler O'Neill, who won gold gloves in left field to sit in left field. I thought Carlson should be in center, new bar and right. I thought that all made sense. Um, they decided to go with the competition, but it was going to be a combination of those three for the most part. And then they announced that Jordan Walker had made the team and Alec Burleson was going to be on the team as well. So those were your five outfielders coming into the season. And on paper, you look at that and you're thinking, hey, it's not too shabby. You know, I got I got that gold glover in O'Neal who supplies power from the right side of the plate. He's got elite speed. Dylan Carlson, a switch hitter, can play against everybody, can do a little bit of everything well. He runs well. He's got a little bit of pop. Obviously hits lefties better than he does righties. But you like what you got from him. And then you have Newt from the left side, who is an on-base machine. He's got decent speed. He's got some power, but also that cannon of a right arm. It's an elite right arm that you have out there in the outfield. So you put that all together, and you're like, wow, not a bad combination. But then, right out of the gate, right out of the gate, first game of the season, the injury bug shows up and takes a bite out of him, right? Newt hurts his thumb. Game one goes to the injured list on April the 3rd. He gets activated on April the 15th. So you're down without him for the first two weeks. Then Tyler O'Neill goes down on May 5th with the back issues and is just now set to return. Not long after, O'Neill goes down. Dylan Carlson's turn to hit the IL on May 17th with that ankle injury. He's gone until June 9th. It lasted way longer than anybody thought it would. Then Newt goes down again on June the 2nd with the back issue. He's out to June 19th. So 
your core three outfielders that you planned on eating up most of the innings out there that you had penciled in for the majority of the season just hurt. Hardly ever played together at all this season. It's been incredible how they have not been able to stay out on the field, any of them. And all of these injuries led you to make your former Gold Glove second baseman, Tommy Edmond, a center fielder. Because nobody else could do it. You couldn't stick Jordan Walker out there. Alec Burleson's not playing center field. You didn't really have any choices left. You saw Oscar Mercado for a, for a heartbeat. Remember how great that was? Yeah. Off his glove over the wall in Cincinnati for a home run. That's what we were getting there. Um, he got that chance stepped up to step up. He fails. Juan Yepes got a little bit of time in the outfield, but we know he's not an outfielder. He did his best, but that's not where he belongs. Uh, Jordan Walker got sent down. He comes back up. He's uh, he's getting better, right? Alec Burleson got more outfield innings than you'd really like because we know he's not exactly the most graceful guy out there in the outfield. Uh, he does his best. He tries real hard, but that you know, just not gifted with smooth running capabilities out there. Uh, Brendan Donovan spent a lot more time in the corner spots, and because of this, your defense in the outfield became a major liability because you had guys out there who just aren't major league outfielders. Edmund filled in very well in center field, not taking anything away from him uh, so much. He was so good that when Dylan and Newt come back, they they, they actually kept him in center field. They're like, hey, he's actually pulling this off pretty good. We're going to stick you guys in the corners instead. And um, it's, until he got hurt with the wrist injury, it's I mean, it's just been kind of a mess, okay? It's been a puzzle all year trying to figure out who needs to go where, and it's been a mess, really. So here we are in July the 18th now. And with the season all but over due to the failures of the first half for it's all the reasons we brought up over and over and over, now we finally have all three original outfielders back and healthy at the same time. Now, at the time of this recording, no news yet on an activation for Tyler O'Neill, but we assume it's happening at some point here momentarily. Um, but things have changed. Things have changed. Jordan Walker is now your everyday right fielder so that he can continue to work on his outfield skills and grow in that position. Again, he has improved a lot. He looks a lot better out there. If you listen to the telecasts, you listen to um, Jim Edmonds talk about how much better he's gotten at all kinds of different aspects of playing the outfield, and you love to hear that. He's going to improve. Again, he didn't start playing outfield till the very end of last year. So he he's only a, a year and a, a year into it, I guess, is what you could give him. Maybe a year into this, learning the outfield, and he's had to do it at the major league level. So um, you want to see more of that. You know, people keep talking about maybe moving Jordan Walker to first base and letting Paul Goldschmidt go. I don't think that's part of the plan at all. I think he's meant to be an outfielder. He's going to be a right fielder, and they're just going to keep Goldschmidt and probably try to extend him at some point. That, that's what I think is going to happen. Um, the team announced yesterday that Tyler O'Neill will be, when he's activated, your starting left fielder. And the new bar will continue as the everyday center fielder, which leaves former top prospect Dylan Carlson as the odd man out, which I don't know. Is that good? Is that bad? We're going to talk about it right now because John Denton at MLB.com got some quotes from Dylan Carlson after last night's game regarding the idea 
that he'd be in a reserve role again. And uh, they mentioned that he looked uh, kind of emotional while he was talking about this. The quote was, I mean, it's definitely tough. I feel like I can really help this team, but opportunities have been scattered and it hurts, honestly. I just try to do what I can to be ready for these guys and ultimately try to help us win. That's always been my goal since I got to the big leagues, to help this team win. I always felt like my production and performance would come from that focus and being in that mindset. Obviously, with my opportunities being more limited and sporadic, I guess it makes it a little harder. I want to be an everyday player. I'm a competitor, and I'm someone who wants to be out there. I feel like I can do a lot of things, so when these opportunities are there, I'm trying to do what I can Speculation about Dylan Carlson getting moved at the trade deadline has picked up a notch or two since it was announced that he would no longer be one of the starters in the outfield for the Cardinals. Uh, One of the teams that is being mentioned a lot uh, with Dylan Carlson is the New York Yankees, uh, that they'd be interested in him. Uh, MLB.com's Mark Feinsand reported on Monday that the Yankees are looking for trade deadline upgrades across the board and that Carlson could be a target. Here's what Feinsand wrote. Carlson would be a good fit for a Yankee team in need of outfield help. The Yankees ranked 26th in wins above replacement by outfielders in 2023. Bill McKinney and Oswaldo Cabrera have split time in left field lately with Giancarlo Stanton in right field while Aaron Judge is on the injured list. Carlson could take over a corner outfield spot while Judge remains on the IL, allowing Stanton to move to designated hitter once Judge returns. Which sounds like a great plan for the Yankees. Uh, as far for the Cardinals, the you're like, okay, if you're gonna get rid of Carlson though, what are you getting back? What's he what's he worth these days? You know, we remember last year uh when we had all the Juan Soto speculation, the rumor was that Dylan Carlson was the breaking point, that they were like, Nope, we're not trading you Dylan Carlson, even for Juan Soto. And that's the way it's gonna be. And if he has to be included, there's no deal. We that ended up being debunked later on, but the Cardinals thought very highly of Dylan Carlson for the last few years. Something has changed this year, even after he bulked up in the offseason and um, did what I thought the Cardinals wanted him to do, which was add a little more pop. And the one thing that he hasn't done is gotten better at uh, hitting right-handed pitching. That's really been his main fault. But what is he worth to somebody outside of the Cardinals organization? Um Feinsand said this, the Yankees' numbers six through nine prospects are all right-handed pitchers, with number seven, Will Warren, currently at AAA. Now, the names that are going that are prospects number six through nine, which 69, nice. Uh, number six is Drew Thorpe, 22-year-old at A-ball. Number seven is Warren, which he mentioned there, 24 years old at AAA. Number eight, Richard Fitz. He's 23. He's at double A. And then number nine is uh, Yoandres Gomez, 23, at double A. Now, Derek Gould from stltoday.com had previously mentioned their number 13 prospect, who is Clayton Beater, who is 24 at triple A in that article that he released a, a few days ago. And usually where there's smoke, there's fire, right? And there's been a lot of talk about the Yankees and Cardinals being a, a pretty good match here. As far as trade partners, they've got some pitching. Cardinals got some outfielders and they got some other pieces too. You know, the Yankees are said to need, you know, across the board. So they're looking for help at catcher, uh, starting rotation and bullpen. The Cardinals currently three catchers on the roster. They've got some bullpen arms that are for sale. Chris Stratton, Jordan Hicks. Plus you've got Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty as starters that can be moved. So 
Could a mega deal be swung between these two teams for a few of those pitchers that the Yankees have in their top 10? Possibility. Possibility. You know, um, my thoughts on Carlson going to the bench again. I hate it for Dylan Carlson. Um, he's so good against lefties, right? Like just mashes, but has not figured out how to hit from the left side of the plate and hit righties. And in the major leagues, you're going to face more right-handers than left-handers. I, I kind of wish, and I'm a Tyler O'Neill guy. I've liked him for a long time, but I kind of wish it was O'Neill who, who had to earn his spot back instead of automatically giving him the job in left field. But again, if your idea is to trade Tyler O'Neill or to find out what his worth is to another team, you got to play him. You got to prove that he's healthy. If that's the idea moving forward is that you want to move on from Tyler O'Neill or you want to put him on display so other teams will get interested in him if they aren't already. And as much as I love bro Neal and what, what he can offer when he's healthy. The dude is never healthy. He just isn't speed, power, great defense when he's on the field, which is not a lot that that's the big problem here. He's on the IL most of the year. And this is two years in a row. They've dealt with this. He's getting older. He's not getting younger. He's not going to get more flexible. He's not going to get uh, more versatile as far as what you can do with him. You know, it's going to decline. His 2021 season, as juicy as it was, where he was getting MVP votes, is the only time he's stayed healthy. And when he has played since 2021, he hasn't been nearly as productive as he was that season. Personally, I'd rather keep Carlson. I really would. I'd rather have him around instead of T.O. He's younger, he's cheaper, and especially if the return is the same or at least similar, I'd rather be shipping Tyler O'Neill out than Dylan Carlson. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I have no idea. But if, if the return is the same, if they're worth the same amount as each other, if you had to move one or the other, which one would you trade? O'Neill or Carlson in a deal, what do you want to do? Who do you want to get rid of? I would love to hear your comments. We're going to use these for a, a separate show later on, but leave them below on YouTube or, as usual, hit me up on Twitter. We're going to talk about last night's game and um, which Cardinals does Feinstein, who, who's writing all sorts of articles right now, which ones did he put, which Cardinals did he put on his all-trade candidate team? We'll talk about that next on Locked on Cardinals. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. It should be fun. You should be excited about getting tickets to go see your, your favorite team play or your favorite artist perform or go see one of your favorite plays, whatever it may be. And Game Time has got great deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee so that you can stop stressing over the idea of how you're going to get the tickets and instead start getting excited for whatever it is you're about to see. You don't have to worry about planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event with exclusive flash deals on tickets for all your favorite sports, baseball, football, basketball. We're talking concerts, comedy, theater. They got it all. The Game Time Guarantee means you're always going to get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Tickets get sent directly to your phone. So get the tickets that you want without the stress 
by choosing Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked On MLB. That way, you can get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The Cardinals battle the Marlins again tonight at Bush Stadium, and you can catch every pitch of the Cardinals' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. Uh, thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. You can leave comments on YouTube as well as on Twitter anytime you want. Your feedback is always welcome and encouraged. Love hearing from you guys. Uh, curious what you guys think about uh, what we talked about in segment number one with the Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill choices. Um, curious what you guys think about this next uh, segment here. MLB.com's Mark Feinstein recently put together what he called his all-trade candidate team, and he had a couple of Cardinals on the list. So let me run through who the ones that weren't Cardinals. Uh, at catcher, it was Elias Diaz of the Rockies. Uh, first base, C.J. Crone from the Rockies. Third base, uh, Jaime Candelario from uh, the Nationals. Third baseman, right fielder, former Cardinal Randall Grichuk who's now with the Rockies. In center field, he had Cody Bellinger from the Cubs. Left field, he had another former Cardinal, Tommy Pham, who's with the Mets this year. At DH Future, St. Louis Cardinal and current Angels uh, pitcher and DH Shohei Otani. I'm kidding. Uh, starting pitcher, he had the Padres' Blake Snell. And at reliever, he had the Royals' Scott Barlow. Now, the two positions that are missing there, if you noticed, second base and shortstop. And that's where Fine Sand listed a couple of Cardinals. At second base on his all-trade candidate team, he has Brendan Donovan. And at shortstop, Paul DeYoung. Now, the Donovan idea might make Cardinals fans freak out just a little bit. But before you do that, let me explain what he did here. Now, he graded each player that he lists here with what he calls a buzz factor. And you can be high, medium, or low. And for Donovan, the buzz factor by fine sand is at low. Okay, so he doesn't think it's actually going to happen. Here's what he says about it. Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak, said last week the changes were going to be made prior to the trade deadline. We know that Mo just recently said pitching, pitching, pitching is all he's looking for, uh, adding that he hopes to keep our core together and then supplement it properly. Feinstein continues by saying that likely means keeping Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. But if St. Louis needs pitching, it's going to have to give up something of value. Donovan has proven to be a productive utility player capable of playing every infield position and the corner outfield spots. The Cardinals would likely prefer to hold on to the 26-year-old, but given the club's unfamiliar position as sellers, it's difficult to rule anything out in the coming weeks. Donovan won't be eligible for arbitration until the end of the 2025 season. Personally, I don't think they are actively shopping Brendan Donovan. No way, no how. I think they are in love with this dude, kind of like how they fell in love with Lars Newbar. And for good reason. The guy, like Fine Sand says here, he can do pretty much anything you want. Um, he's cheap, which is great too. And honestly, what kind of pitcher are you actually getting in return for a Brendan Donovan? Okay, because it's not like as much as we love him, Brendan Donovan is not a superstar, right? So you're not getting one of the top prospects on a team for somebody like Brendan Donovan. He's just not there yet uh, as far as worth. His value to the Cardinals is much more than what I think people will actually pay to get him. Tommy Edmonds, a different story. 
Tommy Edmond, I think, has a lot more worth than Brendan Donovan because of the fact gold glove capabilities. Obviously, he can play the infield still, but showed that he can play some center field as well. So you know he can play all three outfield positions. He's faster than Donovan, uh, switch hitter as well. So I think there's more to trading Tommy Edmond because you can get better things in return than it would be trading Brendan Donovan. The DeYoung idea makes total sense, right? I mean, we've talked about that plenty. He he gives the Paul DeYoung chance of being traded. That, that buzz factor is high, okay? And he says this about Paulie D. Unlike Donovan, DeYoung is a likely candidate to get traded as he's owed a little more than $3 million this season and has club options for 2024 and 2025. DeYoung turns 30 on August 2nd and is enjoying a nice bounce-back season after a difficult 2022 year, making him an ideal option for clubs looking to boost production at shortstop. As previously mentioned, the Cardinals will be in deal-making mode with DeYoung high on the list of players likely to be moved. And DeYoung will be valuable to other teams for all the reasons we like him in St. Louis. You know, he he's solid defense at shortstop. Nothing flashy, but he doesn't make dumb plays very often either. Like, he's very, very solid. He's a good shortstop. Right-handed power. You know he's got that elite power that where he he, he hits home runs. That, that's really what he does. Strikeouts are high. We know that. But he could be coveted by a team as either depth for their infield or, if need be, he can start. You know, if an injury happens and a team needs uh, is gets desperate for a shortstop, there's Paul DeYoung. Um, he's not overly expensive, you know, for the rest of the year. He's a he's cheap, reliable veteran that it, if a team wants, they can probably have him for, you know, not all that much. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't be too hard to get him because the Cardinals – have their top prospect, Mason Wynn, just waiting, just waiting there at Memphis, having another good season. He's ready to come up at some point. I hope we get to see him this year. But, uh, you know, and the other side of it, too, for a team is with Paul DeYoung, and he mentions the uh, the team options there. If they want to keep him around, they can. They, they have control, or they can buy him out. So Paul DeYoung could be an attractive piece. He's not going to get you anything huge, but – Sometimes if you just need like a bullpen arm or something, maybe get a prospect who's at double A, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. I don't think the Donovan thing's happening unless it's part of a bigger trade where it's a lot of pieces going back and forth. All right, we're going to wrap things up today and talk about last night's win. It was a good win last night against the Marlins. We'll do that next on Locked on Cardinals. The Cardinals are at home again tonight against the Miami Marlins, uh, and they've got tonight and then another game tomorrow against them, and you can catch every pitch of the Cardinals' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. Monday night at Bush Stadium, the team had Miles Michaelis back on the mound after starting on Friday. What? Huh? Well, if you remember, that game got suspended due to rain. Miles didn't have to throw all that much, and... I was a little shocked that they threw him back out there again, but Miles probably just said, look, I'm ready. I'm cool. I'm fine. Let me throw. And he looked strong again. He did. Tossing six innings. He allows three runs on seven hits. Like Miles normally does. Gives up a couple, a couple solo shots. He He's vulnerable to the home run ball. We know that. But solo shots you can live with. It's the uh, three-run homers that are ones in real trouble. Uh, Rob Raines from STL Sports Page also pointed out that the Cardinals' main three of Michaelis, Montgomery, and Flaherty are now 6-0 and in nine starts this month. That's fantastic. 
you know, uh, you like to get that out of your starting pitching. You wish you had had that throughout the year, but better late than never. I don't know. Nolan Arenado had another big night going two for three, knocks in four more. He now has 68 ribbies on the year, which leads all NL third baseman, and he's second in the National League uh, behind the Braves, Matt Olson, and sixth overall in all of baseball in RBIs. Former Cardinal Adolis Garcia leads the way with 80, but we'll just not mention that too much. Uh, Dylan Carlson had a big night in the leadoff spot, going two for three. Got the start, obviously, because Jesus Lazardo, left-hander, which is what Carlson can crush, uh, was starting for the Marlins. So he goes two for three, double, single. He reaches on a walk, scores all three times he was on base. He also drives in a run. Great to see Carlson have a good game. You know, I... I I genuinely love Dylan Carlson. I, I've always been a fan of his, and I'm not the only one. Nolan Arenado spoke about Carlson's game afterwards, saying that DC played a great game today, and DC's not a complainer. He just shows up and works and competes, and that's why we love him. DC's a great baseball player, and we're glad he's here. Question is, right, how long is he going to be around? We don't know. We don't know, because if a team comes in and gets and wants Tyler O'Neill. Great. What if somebody else comes in and wants Dylan Carlson too? Are we ready to get rid of both of them? I don't know. I don't know. If one goes, do you keep the other? I, I don't. I don't know how Mosellock is going to play this. Also, last night we saw the Cardinal debut of Ryan Tapera, and uh, didn't do all that much to impress any of us, did he? Last just two thirds of an inning, allows one run on two hits with a walk. Perhaps he was a bit jacked up. Because it was his debut with the Cardinals, I can understand that. Adrenaline's pumping. He can't get the ball over the plate all that well. I'm not going to crucify him just yet. But that was not exactly a confidence builder for the new guy in the clubhouse, was it? The two teams will battle again tonight at Bush Stadium. Jordan Montgomery will get the start tonight, which is fantastic news because you hadn't heard much about what was going on with that hamstring that he uh, had that injury with before the All-Star break, kind of tweaked it a little bit before uh, – before the break, had to leave his game early, but um, he's ready to go. He'll pitch tonight against young right-hander Edward Cabrera. Monty has been outstanding. There's 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 a lot of superlatives we could say about Monty, some positive ones. The guy has allowed just two earned runs or more once since May 28th. Once. During that span, he's gone 4-1, and one, ERA of 1.70, over 47 and two-thirds innings, with 44 strikeouts and just 11 walks. He's been amazing. And considering the Cardinals' need for pitching, it is hard to believe that they are planning to trade away Jordan Montgomery, that they didn't do more to try to re-sign him in the offseason before spring training started. But if Jordan Montgomery has made up his mind that he wants to test free agency, it's really hard for me to believe that, that if it gets to that point, that the Cardinals would be the highest bidder in the end. Because somebody always seems to outbid them or will overpay what somebody is actually worth, and the Cardinals are left with nothing. And you can't have that happen. Not when he's as big an asset as he is right now at the trade deadline. So it's an unfortunate position, but um, we hope for good things for Monty tonight because the better he does, the more the Cardinals can get in return if they indeed end up trading him. Thanks for making Lockdown Cardinals your first listen every day. Be sure to catch every pitch of the Cardinals hometown broadcast for this week's series against the Marlins with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. First pitch tonight, 6.45 St. Louis time. If you haven't already, please give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. Like and subscribe on YouTube. You're the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I will see you next time on Locked on Cardinals.